Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, it's great to be back with you uh, this week. And, and I'm, I'm kind of excited here. Also, I we get, look how close the baby is today. See, let's train him right. You want to back seat, back row Baptist, right? No, no offense back there. So we're looking forward to some amens from in baby talk today. And asleep. Okay, that would be even better, right? Um, have you ever noticed that uh, as you go out into the world around you and interact with people, that sometimes you also you have a sense after a little bit that. I think that person might be a Christian. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, you know, and, and we don't know, and, but what I found, it seems like when I feel that way, more often than not, it turns out to be true. And what's up with that? Hard to know for sure. Uh, there is a sense in which the Spirit of God lives in me and the Spirit of God lives in every believer, and so there may be some, some way that connects, I don't know. But I think, I think probably much more likely, or at least much something I think we can sort of hang our hats on uh, is the fact that when someone is a believer in Christ who then seeks to live their lives like a believer in Christ, notice it goes to the word of God and it shapes them and their relationship with Christ and all these kinds of things that there are just little things that show up. It affects how they interact. It affects what they say. And yay, I like that, Rich. That's a great. <laughs> For those of you watching, you may not realize we just had a, a cell phone go off. So that's, I didn't just start going. Uh, but so there's, there's something uh, when Christians are seeking to live like Christians, to really live the way Christians ought to live, it shows up. And in little ways, not, not necessarily in ways that we consciously, oh, that's Christian, you know, but we get a sense, we begin to see. And I think throughout all of the centuries since Christ came, where you find Christians seeking to live with Jesus as Lord and live their lives according to his word, that you find that there is a different view of life than the world around them. There's a different approach to life than the world around them. And we want to talk about that today. And so we're in this series where we're talking about owned. Uh, in other words, we are owned by the Lord. We are his possessions. We talked about that. Jesus bought us when he died on the cross, right? And so when we come to Christ, we become his possessions. And that means we also then live for his purposes. Since we belong to him, it's his purposes. And, and we saw that, that the big overarching purpose there is that he's, he's changing us to be like Jesus. Right, and using all the things in our lives and certain the word of God and all these things. Uh, so he is changing us to be like Jesus. And today we want to talk about then we live by his principles. His principles. So, so what do we mean when we say principle? Well, the definition for a principle is this. A fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior 
or for a chain of reasoning. Talking about like God's ways, okay? God's ways. Now, um, this is kind of, you know, it's one of those definitions and you read it, it'd be like you're in school, right? Okay, you have to have this memorized, there's gonna be a quiz on it and you gotta say it later. Uh, but I think we kind of have an idea what principles are, but when it says a fundamental truth, maybe, that you can build your beliefs on, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, have a way of looking at life and reasoning from. The, the Bible uses, in, in English, uses the English word principles a couple of times, um, and it's there, it's talking about the foundational truth of the gospel. Okay, that's what it's talking about, the first principles of, of being a Christian. And that's understanding that every one of us has sinned in life before a holy God. There's a way that God wants us all as humans to live and to be right with him and with uh, everyone else from the inside out. And we fall so far short of that. We've all failed in that respect and we continue to fail, hopefully less and less, but we continue to fail. And that separates us from God. We can't have a personal relationship with, we, we are not forgiven, we need to be a rescued from this, which is why Jesus came to earth, the Son of God came to earth, becomes a man, the man Jesus lives a perfect, sinless life, and he's able then as he dies to go to the cross, who he willingly went to the cross. And, and as he hung there on the cross, God the Father took the penalty, the guilt for all of my sins and placed it on Jesus as he died there. And the guilt, penalty for all of your sins, placed it on Jesus as he died there. The sins of the whole world, Jesus bears and dies there. And he, he, he pays that penalty for the sins. Uh, there's that somehow or other, this, this terrible moment within God where you know, the Son of God is saying to the Father, why have you forsaken me? All of this happens in his, his providing a sufficient payment for the penalty for our sins. Rises from the dead three days later, proving that his, uh, the sacrifice was accepted and that, that he indeed is God and victorious over sin and death. And then the Bible says that if you and I will humble ourselves and acknowledge that we have failed, we have sinned against the holy God, and that has separated us from God. And we will acknowledge that need, and then we will believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he was, and that he did the things the Bible says he did, dying for our sins and rising again, that we can place our faith in Jesus to be our savior. And, and to have his, the payment that he made applied to us personally. And that is such good news because let me tell you what happens. That moment when you finally see it and you say, yes, my way of living has, has separated me from God and it will send me to hell if I continue on my own way. Then I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to turn to God and say, oh God, I need a savior. I, I believe Jesus is who the Bible says he is and he did what the Bible says he did. And, and I, by faith, somehow, I'm good, the best I know how, I'm received Jesus as my savior. The Bible says when you sincerely do that, that at that moment, every sin is forgiven. Every sin for your whole life is forgiven. Second, eternal life. You get new life, eternal. That when this life ends, you go on living but with the Lord in heaven, okay? And then what we're talking about all the time, and even here again today, is the fact that then God himself moves in. The Holy Spirit of God moves within you and with that new life and begins working on you from the inside out, helping you 
to grow and change, and like we talked about a couple weeks ago, to become more and more like Jesus. Okay, so that's that first principles that the Bible talks about. Now, uh, <clears throat> elsewhere in the Bible, we find terms, uh, a term that is used repeatedly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that communicates what we kind of mean when we talk about principles. It's, wait, no, let's go back if you would. Go ahead. The fundamental truths, okay, or a proposition. In other words, if the proposition is the idea is, okay, well, if this is true, then this, right? That means, okay, uh, that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior, how we believe things, how we act, or even for a chain of reasoning, okay, to, to think about things to biblically, to think about things the way God wants us to. Now, notice that these are, are not, we're not talking about commands. Okay, the Bible has some specific commands in it. This is right, this is not right. Do this, don't do this. Do this this way. There are those things in there. But I want to say to you that really, those are a pretty small slice of life. So much of what we do in life is not about a specific command, either to do or not to do. And so life is big, and so this is where the idea of the principles comes in. Principles that apply across the board. So um, in Isaiah 59, and I'll reference these, this passage again later this morning, but Isaiah 59, it talks about the problem when truth is no longer held up to be true. It says that equity doesn't work anymore. Well, equity, what are we talking about? Well, we're not talking about your mortgage. Okay, that kind of thing. What we're talking about is this. Equity is this ability to make good and right decisions when there are no specific commands or instructions. In other words, you have learned to look at life like a Christian. You've learned to look at life the way the Bible describes life and how things are supposed to work. You do understand the commands and how they fit. And because of all of this information, you can look at this situation and make a good, wise, right decision. And so this is what principles allow us to do. Because most of your life is not, I mean, there, there are times, I mean, yes, if you want to say, okay, I get asked a question and I, I, I read the Bible and it says, don't lie. Okay, so I shouldn't lie here. Right? We get the, their commands. But overall, we're talking about just all of life, how we look at life. So um, let's, let's, let's look at some passages of Scripture here that help us to understand maybe what we're talking about. So let's go to Psalm 25. Page 632 in the Bibles that are there under the chairs. And if you don't have your own Bible, we'd encourage you to follow along there. We'll give you the page numbers as needed. Page 632. Psalm 25. Uh, David here is is uh, worshiping the Lord and he's asking for deliverance from his enemies. Now, David's enemies largely are quite different than the enemies that you and I face today. Uh, his were real enemies who wanted to stick a spear through him. Okay, they wanted to kill him. And so he's asking God to help him with that, to deliver him from that. But look in verses four and five, what he asks God for in this. He says, 
Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. So the word that we find often in the Old Testament and the New Testament is ways. The ways of God. The principles of God. Same kind of idea. The Greek, or the, excuse me, the Hebrew word uh, for ways here is, and um, I, I didn't see him today, but Pam, maybe you can pass this on. The, the, the Hebrew word for ways is Derek. Okay? Now, it's probably actually Derek <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but it, what it means, it's, it's, it means a road. A road. But it's used in a figurative, a figurative sense to communicate a course of life. A course of life or a way of living. Okay? So when David here says to the Lord, show me your ways, O Lord. He's saying, show me, Lord, how I'm supposed to live. How do I live this life out the way that you want me to do it? And like I said, it's like a road, but then it's a course of life. Uh, and um, the, the, the Greek word for this is, is hadas, and it means basically the same thing, okay? And these words sometimes are used very little, but other times to apply like this principle. So what is David looking for? Lord, I need to know your ways. I need to know your principles. I need to know how life is supposed to work the way you want it to work, okay? So let's go over to chapter 27. And it's just a couple pages there. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Uh, a smooth path, again, it's, it's another word that's, that uh, can be, mean a road, but it's the idea, the same thing. It's how do I live this out, God? How do I really live my life like a Christian? What does this mean? Go to Psalm 86. And by the way, we're just looking at a few examples. We could go and look at a lot of examples. Psalm 86 and verse number 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So teach me your way. Teach me your ways, your principles. Teach me how I'm supposed to look at life, how I'm supposed to live my life. I will, I will live that way. But then he says this, unite my heart to fear your name. <laughs> what is he talking about? Well, anybody besides me ever feel like sometimes you have a divided heart? <laughs> right? There's something, you know, going on in your life. And maybe you know this is the way it's supposed to go. Sometimes we consciously think, but I don't, I don't want to do that. And we have, sometimes we, more often than not, we don't consciously say, I don't want to do a God. We, we come with a way of rationalizing, right? Well, well, but in this circumstance, or tomorrow, <laughs> or whatever it is, right? And, and we have this division. Sometimes in our thoughts and our feelings aren't the same. Sometimes uh, the decisions we're making and what we know we ought to do, they, it doesn't line up. And so what David is praying here is, God, I, I need to know how you want me to live. I need to know your principles. I need to understand these things. But, oh, God, I got another problem going on underneath the surface here. And that's that 
I have a divided heart in this. Please help me to bring this together to where, where my thinking and my feelings, and by the way, feelings, right? They can come and go, but we keep working on them. Feelings is like trying to hold on to a uh, cat when they don't want you to. Okay, so my, but I, I'm asking God that my, my, what I believe, what I'm thinking, and, and my feelings, and my decisions, and my actions all match. Okay, that's what he's praying for here. And I want it to match your ways, God, your principles. All right, so let's continue with this. We get over to the New Testament. In Acts chapter 14, Paul talking to some people who didn't know about God and didn't understand things, he says to them, he says, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. And what this tells us is that um, the ways we're talking about living are not the natural ways of the world. They are different. Okay? The way people who don't know the Lord, the way people who don't understand the truths of God's word, and the way they live, and they can be very well-intentioned doing the best they know how, but it's not God's ways. God's ways have to be learned, and God's ways have to be personally accepted. As we start off, well, we're going to surrender ourselves to the Lord. It's your ways we want, Lord, and we're going to grow to then to understand those and live them out. And then we're going to tell others, if nothing else, by the way we live, live them out to where it can be seen. Go to Acts chapter 18, page 1278 in the Bible there in the chairs. Acts chapter 18. Here's where there was a preacher, Apollos, who, who knew Messiah was coming and he was preaching about this Messiah, but he didn't know that Jesus had come. He didn't understand all of that. And so we, we see what happens here. Acts chapter 18, verse 25 and 26. Actually, let's start in verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And, so, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. The baptism of John, was John and his message was, the Messiah is coming. Get ready. And so that's what Apollos knew. He didn't know Jesus had come yet. Verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And this is probably from the very beginning. It's not only, okay, the Messiah has come, the gospel we already talked about, but it's also, what does this mean? How do we live? How, how, how are Christians fleshing this out? What has the Apostle Paul told us? How do we live these things? And so they explained that to him more clearly. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, page 1313. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul talking about his life to the Corinthians. And let's start in verse 10. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. He's talking about what's going on, how they're being treated. He says, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our hands. Be being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. 
Or we, we, we ask respectfully. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Why would you do those things, Paul? Why would you, you know, keep living in a way that brings these things upon you? Well, we're going to see it's because of he's living out the ways of God, the principles of God, and it brings suffering sometimes. You know, this, uh, that wasn't, I don't have this written in my notes and I hadn't planned to say it, but just let me say it because as Christians, we need to, to get this. Suffering is not what we use to determine whether or not we do something. Uh, sadly, it is often though, isn't it? Well, if I do that, I might have to suffer. You don't necessarily think those words, but oh, I don't want to do that, but no, no, wait a minute. If Jesus has called us to do something, if his word says something, first, if we have a command, then if we don't have a command, if we have a principle. And if, but if I live that way, if I live that way, that's going to mean that. And we see things, hard things, and things that we might consider suffering. As Christians, we must choose to go with God. We must choose to go his ways, to live by his word, his principles regardless if it brings sufferings or not. In fact, one more thing to say. Do you realize you're going to suffer in life? You live in a sin-cursed world. By the way, I do too. We live in a sin-cursed world. Guess what? You're going to suffer. I had a good friend once tell me. He says, well, if you've got to suffer, you might as well suffer for doing what's right. Right? Okay, so let's continue. Verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He says, I'm like your spiritual father. I brought you the gospel. You were born again under my ministry. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me, live like me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways, that's the word, my ways in Christ. It's not a list of commands, it's a way of life. It's a how you look at life and how you live your life. So, this idea of a principle. And Anthony, could you go back to that definition slide there? I'd appreciate it, just for a moment. So again, fundamental truths or propositions that provide us a foundation really for everything else, for all the things we believe and the way we're going to make our decisions and the way we're going to live our lives. All right, so uh, go uh, back there where we were, Anthony. And so we see that it provides a foundation for these two things, how we look at our lives, how we look at it. And this means, you know, it's our thinking about life. It's the kind of logic that we use. It's our attitudes. It's um, what's in our heart, right? We want our heart unite, all that. So how we look at our lives. And then it also provides us how we live our lives, direction, our decisions and our actions for what we do and what we don't do, for how we do it and how we don't do it. Okay, whatever. And so principles, this is what we're looking for. How do we see life? How do we live life? 
day in and day out. All right, so let's do a quick review. This is what we talked about, uh, that we want to be, God's purpose is for us that we become like Jesus, and we were talking about how we do that. And so this idea of becoming like Jesus, and we start off, we engage with God about life and, you know, and ourselves and our relationship with him. This is where we spend some time in his word, whether it's one verse or one phrase, sometimes we go, oh, wow, God, and we engage with God about it. Sometimes it might be a whole chapter or a book, but we engage with God about his word, and, and that shapes us. It shapes our thinking. It shapes our hearts. It shapes... Um, then our actions, because then we go out and engage with the world, right? We go out there and engage with them, with this way of thinking and with, with this heart and this attitude, and we bring that out there and we engage with the world. And the world is a pretty rough and tumble place. And so sometimes it's, wow, wait a minute, you know, I don't know if I understood this right, how things go and response isn't always good or didn't go the way you think. And so, you know, that kind of, it shapes your thinking about this and, um, Again, as we work our way around the circle, and remember we said that it's very important that we don't be conformed to this world. So our thinking is getting shaped by what we're experiencing in the world. But wait a minute, I can't let the world determine that, so what do I do? I engage with God again about it. Okay, God, here's what happened today, right? I mean, God, you already know it, but here's what happened. Here's what I experienced. I was trying to live by your word, trying to you know, live it out in my life, and here's what, what, what am I missing, or what do I need to understand, or maybe I just need to, to stick with it, or go, whatever, and you re-engage with God, okay, which shapes your thinking. You engage with the world, and it shapes you, and you re-engage with God, and God uses all of this to help us become more and more like Jesus, more and more like him in our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, and then our actions. All right. So here's what I want you to see today. That when we talk about engaging with God and being shaped, it's, it's about more than just his commands. It's about more than unrelated pieces of information. We wanna have our engagement with God shaped by principles. See, right, God, how does this work? How am I supposed to live? this out in my life, in this area of my life, and in this area of my life, in this area of my life. What's the same? What's different? What's, what do you want? And so we have the principles. And so we're going to see how do we look at life. Go ahead. You know, it's going to guide your thinking then. That's what we want to be shaped in how we think about things. And then that's going to then shape our living when we go out and engage with the world, okay? And so we continue this cycle. So it's really, really important that we learn the principles, that we understand the ways of God so we can continue to become more and more like Jesus. Now, so talk about these principles. What are they? Oh, man. I went to work on this, said, okay, God, uh, which principles? And I'm thinking, oh, boy, where do you start? Anybody notice that this is a pretty long book? All right? And so the, the list I'm going to give you today is not an exhaustive list. Not in, I'm not trying to say that it is. I, I did try to identify big, big concepts that make big difference in our lives. Uh, I asked for input from our deacons. I, I input from my wife. <laughs> and... Uh, and from Dave, Dave was on that list as well. But anyway, so what I'm gonna share with you, and, and by the way, I did get an additional principle, input from that. 
Uh, but these are just big principles. And like I said, you might add more. That's fine. But these are really big and they really matter. And they probably touch most of our lives. Okay? So let's just take a quick look at them. And I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna, we're going to look at each of these a little more uh, directly. But independent truth, purposeful design, gracious humility, dependent strength, faithful stewardship, eternal perspective, godly integrity, and sacrificial love. Um, Right, so these are kind of big picture overview of the kinds of principles, and we'll talk some more details. But these, I would tell you, these are, when you talk about the ways of the Lord, teach me your ways, O Lord, it certainly includes these. Okay? And these are not natural to human beings. They don't naturally come to human beings. So let's look at them uh, individually here for a little bit. And we don't have time to look up the scriptures. I'll refer to them, but the scriptures are available. And, and I've, I've made some copies of this, and I just realized they're still downstairs in the printer. Uh, but if somebody wants this list, I'll be glad to give it to you. So let's go to the first one. The principle of independent truth. We actually talked about this a few sermons back. When we, uh, the opposite of this, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Right? We talked about that and how that's when we're talking about real truth, that isn't the case. If it's true for you, it's true for me, it's true for everybody at all times in the same way. Okay, so independent truth, what we mean by that is that this truth stands alone. It is true whether I believe it or not. It's true whether you believe it or not. It's true whether I like it or not. True whether you like it or not. It's true. It, it corresponds to reality, and it's always true. So that's what I mean by independent. In other words, it isn't dependent on other things, it stands alone. Psalm 15, too, is, uh, David says, ask God, God, who, who can, and I'm paraphrasing, who can hang out with you in your holy place? And he starts off with, he says, he who speaks the truth in his heart. This truth, so crucial to a relationship with God. Isaiah 59, this is where uh, it talks about the equity, but it says how the truth is no longer valued as truth. And, and, and it brings us to a place where we're in big trouble. That, that chapter talks about how everything's falling apart in the, the, the land there because of an abandonment of this idea of truth. And, and so let me tell you what happens. And we, you can see this. What happens when we don't have this concept as there are fixed and final truths, and we have to make a decision, but we disagree. How do we decide what to do? We decide what to do by who has the most power, who can yell the loudest, who can have the threat of violence to make others conform. Do you see that happening in our society today? Right, because we, we don't have, there's a large segment of our society has rejected this idea that there is anything that is true and right in and of itself. And so the, when we don't agree, well, we're gonna make you agree. See, that's where things take us. So, but Christians have this understanding, or we, and I should have said this earlier, the fact is that Christians don't always live by these things. It is easy for us to get caught up in the world and, being conformed to the world. 
All right, and we ought not be. Romans 1a talks that, that people can know truth, but they push back on it, they suppress it. All right, so independent truth. Second principle, purposeful design. God made us, God created all things. Psalm 139 says that he knows us intimately, he's involved with everything that happens there. First Corinthians 12 tells us as Christians he's made us different, and we're gifted in different ways and different abilities and different perspectives. But it's purposeful design, and by the way, this starts off in Genesis chapter two and three and then goes on from there. This whole idea of design, this impacts our view of sexuality, doesn't it? Did God design sex? What did he say? God what? Yes, God designed sex. Sexual, there's a design and a purpose there. And when you, when you believe that, that starts to answer lots of questions you have right away. Now it's not gonna answer all of them. But right, we understand there's a design, a purpose in that design, okay? And we believe that about the world, and, and it's just so important, it's so valuable. In fact, in Romans chapter one, a little bit later, it says that societies get in big trouble when they reject God as creator, as creator, because when they reject God as creator, then they also reject this idea that there's any purpose and that there's any design, and therefore, anything goes, see? And then you reap all the problems that go along with that approach to life. Third principle, the principle of gracious humility, being humble, um, humble toward God. You know, James 4, 6, God gives grace to the humble. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, God says, when you as a people, talking to the Jewish people of Israel, says, when you find out that you're experiencing all these bad things, he says, what you need to do is you need to humble yourself before God and, and turn to him. Okay, all through the book of Psalms, being humble, humility, such an important quality. And, and so, I, but I connect this with graciousness, not only about how we have a relationship with God, and that is the starting point, the crucial point, but this, this principle affects how I interact with you and you interact with me. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I, I, I like to, to you know, watch news stories. I go on YouTube and I watch the news stories. I try to keep up with what's going on. But I am saddened by oftentimes there are uh, so many videos, and I think it's probably on both sides of the issue, but it's, you know, so-and-so nukes this person or destroys this person or all that's like, is that the goal? No, as a Christian, I have, should have a gracious humility. Whereas I need to show grace to people. Grace, graciousness to people that I disagree with. Graciousness to people I disagree strongly with. And be humble. For God, right? This isn't about me. Okay, so this, this idea of gracious humility, that ought to show up in how we live our lives, valuing other human beings and not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Are we valuable? Are we valuable? Yes, we're absolutely valuable. God has shown us to us. He loved us enough to send his son. No question that we are valuable. But if you think you're valuable in and of yourself or you are more valuable than other people, you've missed this. We need to be gracious toward others because of our humility. Principle number four, dependent strength. Now the opposite of this would be being in your strength in your own self. 
But what dependent strength is about is about recognizing that I do not have the ability to live the Christian life the way God wants me to. Wow, really? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't have that ability. But God promises that if I will humble myself before him and depend on him, that then he will be strong in me and I will have the strength I need to do the things that need to be done. But it is a dependent strength, okay? This is what Proverbs 3 talks about. What all things, you know, acknowledging him, trusting him, leaning on him. John 15, 5, Jesus says, for without me you can do two or three things. Nothing. Anything of spiritual significance or eternal significance, you can't. And, of course, the Apostle Paul had problems, and God said, hey, listen, it's when you're weak, and when you recognize you're weak and humble yourselves before me, that then my strength empowers you. Okay? So principle of dependent strength. The principle of faithful stewardship. It's interesting. If you want to go on, on YouTube today and look up biblical principles to live by, you know what you're going to find? Uh, for, for many, many, many. Oh, biblical principle of money. Biblical principle of money. Biblical principle of money. Because everybody cares about money. Those are, there are biblical principles of money. I mean something bigger than that with faithful stewardship. Okay? Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 does talk about honoring God with your possessions, all of your stuff. Uh, Luke 6, the same way. 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy 6, uh, challenging those who have resources to use them for the Lord. But this stewardship is, is bigger than money. It's a recognition that everything I have has been entrusted to me by God. And he owns me, so what about my stuff? Does he own my stuff? Does he own my body? I don't know what he got there, but anyway, he owns it all. My opportunities, my relationships. He's entrusted all these things to me, and I need to see it that way and use it for him. See, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a way of viewing life that then affects how we live. I mean, then this is so contrary to human nature because, you know, our littlest kids, as they're learning to talk, they learn words like, okay, mama, dada, grandpa. Oh, well, anyway, uh, no. And then one of their first words that they grab onto and just love, mine. Right? And it seemed like for little kids it becomes a two-syllable word. Mayan. <laughs> See, it's contrary. So this idea of faithful stewardship says, no, it's not Mayan. God's. What do I do with it? Okay, number six, the principle of eternal perspective. I think we get the idea here. I mean... Is, is today important? Is the here and now important? Why? I mean, if everything is random chance, and I'm only chemical reaction going on up here, and I'm not kidding me, then it doesn't matter. But why it matters is because this life is preparation for eternity. So what I do today matters in some way forever. And this is a Christian perspective on life. We aren't living just for the here and now. And I, I guarantee you, again, that if you look at the world and the craziness that's going on out there, there are a lot of people in the middle of that who don't have any sense of eternity. They only have here and now. 
And I think that's the most important thing. It affects how they live and the choices they make. Romans 8.18 says, you know, that what's coming in eternity, that what's happening right now, the difficulties now, don't even count compared to what God is going to do in eternity. And in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the idea of that we focus on what's eternal, not what's temporary. We live in what's temporary, but with a focus on eternity, okay? Number seven, the principle of godly integrity. This is such an important principle for us. Deuteronomy 6, 6, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Deuteronomy 6, 6 says that these words that I'm telling you today need to be in your heart. They need to be in your heart. And this is where integrity starts. Let me explain this idea of integrity. Integrity is... Um, when what's on the outside matches what's on the inside. So what would be the opposite of integrity? Hypocrisy, right? Especially for Christians, someone who's trying to live like a Christian. And so what we're wanting to do, this, this kind of goes back to when, the, when David said, unite my heart to, to give you your rightful place in my life. We, we want this integrity. Uh, Psalm 15, where he starts off that, you know, who gets to hang out with God, the one who has truth in his heart. And then it goes on the rest of the psalm and talks about what does that mean in his life? How does he live? Because of what's in his heart, how does he live? Because of what's in his heart, how does he live? All right? Matthew, well, Jesus talks about what's going on on the inside. Okay, needs to be right. You can be right on the outside. You can look right on the outside. But if you're not right on the inside, you're not right. Okay? So that's why this principle matters so much. We want to be the same on the inside and the outside. And we want that inside to be good and the outside to match. Okay? Principle number eight. This principle of sacrificial love. We, we all know this. I already referred to Deuteronomy 6.5. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus repeats that in Matthew 22. And he also says, uh, quotes from Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in talking to his disciples, he says, let's, let's, let's up the ante on this. Okay? Yeah, love your neighbor yourself. But I want you to love others the way I have loved you. Wow. Start thinking about that one. What does that mean? That's love that takes you to the cross. <laughs> All right, so I think we get this. This, in other words, this ought to be our motivation, this love, this I want what's in your best interests, even if it's costly to me. See, that's the kind of love that we need to have motivating us. All right, so let's go back and look at our circle here. This idea of engaging with God, we're becoming like Jesus, you know, we're being shaped with our engaged God, engaged the world, and it reshapes to come back with God, and we keep working and we're growing. We talked about all of these areas of our lives. Well, I want you to see is now in all of these areas of our lives, we want to be living like by these principles. Go ahead and put that up there. Next slide. Okay? So these principles, we want governing our lives. This is the way we need to live. This is the way we need to look at life. And let me just give you very briefly an example. We could grab one of those, but I was thinking about this with respect to my sermons and my preaching to you, okay? How do these principles apply? And I get to thinking about that. Well, independent truth, okay? Truth is not really, so when I go to the Word of God, I need to find what does He say that is true? And it's always true, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a way to support my opinions, right? We're looking for real truth. And then purposeful design. 
Well, God has designed every one of you in some specific and unique way. And I'm trying to think sometimes when I'm preaching, how would this, you know, apply in different circumstances? Okay? A gracious humility. I, I don't always remember this, but I try to remember this. And this, I mean, I'll remember right now and say it to you. And that's that the things I'm talking about today don't always come easy. We, I've always talked about things coming hard, but I get it. I understand. We're works in progress, right? We are. And I believe that you want to become what God wants you to become. We're fellow travelers in this. So see, this is a gracious humility I try to bring to the preaching. Dependent strength. I cannot persuade you of anything that God wants you to understand unless God works. I am dependent on him for his power to work in your life. Faithful stewardship. Boy, you know, my wife reminds me of this off and on, and she just says, you know, do you understand? You know, and she isn't challenging me, but do you understand this privilege that you have that God has given you to stand up and tell people what he says? Yeah, boy, I need to take that seriously, not just on Sundays. I need to take it seriously the whole time when I'm working on things, okay? Eternal perspective. And yes, I try to challenge you all the time about that. And I try to keep that in mind. So we're supposed to live this way today. Why? Where's it going to matter? Well, it's going to matter forever. Uh, godly integrity. Boy, they talk about a challenge for someone who preaches the word of God and who is a fellow human being just like you to really, I want the best I can to what I'm preaching to you to match who I am. Okay? And what I'm doing. Now, that doesn't mean I got it perfect. What it means is I'm a human being like you, but I'm leaning into God. I want to go with it. I'm going to go his way. But that needs to be a reality there, or you will call me hypocrite. All right? And then sacrificial love, being motivated. That's spelled wrong, isn't it? Sacrificial love, being motivated by love. Because I really do want what's best for you. And what's best for you is what God says for you. And I want you to know those things. All right? So let me encourage you to learn to live by principles. Learn to understand principles of God. Ways of God that you find in his word. And live that way. You will never regret it. And by the way, you are not going to grow in your comprehension and taking in and being changed by the principles of God without regular, consistent, substantial time in the word of God. This doesn't come from a daily devotional book. Those are great. Don't misunderstand me. But you know what I'm trying to say? If you want to affect how you see all of life, that enables you to, to make the right kinds of decisions in life, you need to be in the word and saturating yourself with it. It's just crucial. Okay? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. That list you were talking about, I table beside the Oh, thank you. All right, so Dave, uh, grab that list of these principles and verses there someplace in the foyer. High table, High table by the next connection center. Father, thank you.
that you show us how to live, that you have revealed your ways to us, Lord. I pray as, as David prayed, Lord, that you would unite our hearts in these things, that we would desire to see the world the way that you say it is. We would desire to live the way that you say we ought to live. I pray that we would be able to have, make decisions that are equity decisions, Father, that when you haven't spoken specifically, we can still make decisions that honor you and glorify you as we live by your ways, by your principles. And I do pray, Father, as I talked early on today, that very first principle of the gospel, that if, we, if there's anybody here or anybody watching or listening later, Lord, who isn't clear about whether or not they've received your son as savior, I pray, Father, they'd reach out. Reach out to a, a Christian that they know or reach out to us. And they can settle that, Father, as the very starting point for all of these things. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go out and live like a growing Christian this week.